I am so full of gratefulness to God right now, not just this moment, but in life in general. Uh, The last sermon I did was called Embracing New Life, and I really never finished everything that I really felt like the Lord wanted me to say, but um, there's always time restrictions in in our uh, culture, so I try to respect them as much as I can, except for five minutes over every time. Um, but I wanted to finish really where, where I felt like the Lord wanted to encourage you about embracing new seasons. And I'm a person who's in a new season personally. I, I have felt like the Lord has been kind of changing what my role is. You know, I'm a, a lead pastor with Jody also at the adventure. But um, God is fine-tuning, I hope he's doing that for you, fine-tuning what your gifts and callings are so that you can walk in them. And um, it, on one hand, it's exciting because you're taking steps and saying, "Hey, Lord, what is it that you want me to do, and how, how you want what you want me to focus on? Um, um, new teaching? What do you want me to do? Uh, evangelism?" And it, I've really been trying to open myself up, and uh, the Lord's been kind of speaking to me some scriptures. And um, last week, I I, I talked about um, new wine and old wineskins. And putting, if you pick the old wineskins, you put new wine in it, the new wine's going to expand and the, the, new, the old wineskin isn't going to be able to handle it and so it's going to break. And, uh, and the other analogy uh, that Jesus gives, besides that new wine calls for new wineskins, is he uses the, the piece of cloth. You know, if you have an old piece of cloth that's already been pre-shrunk, and then you've worn it for a year or two years or three years, and then it's worn out, and it's gotten really down to the size where it is, and then you get a hole in it, and then you want to patch it up, and if you patch it up with a new piece of cloth and sew it in there, that when it, the minute that shrinks, it's going to tear the, the old one up, and the new one's going to get shredded too. So they're not compatible. So there's something about the new season that you have to embrace that has to be fresh. Do I hear Amen. How, how many are facing new seasons that God is bringing you into? New seasons, new challenges. Good. And, um, and, I, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Was there something funny? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm used to being funny, but not when I'm not saying anything. Just kidding. <laughs> That's not true either. Um, so, uh, you know, when you, when you look at, at, at these new seasons, these new wineskins, and how you're approaching them, there's a lot of things to take in consideration because you, there's, it's easy to stand still. It's easy to do the same thing you've always done because you're used to it and it's comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with finding a groove in your life and thinking, okay, this is kind of who the Lord has me be. But God usually, when he's challenging you in something new, it's because of the fact that you're constantly being conformed to his image not, not you know, physically shape-wise per se, because everybody looks different, but um, the inner spirit and soul of your personhood is being shaped to be like Christ. There's a freedom that God wants you to feel like he feels. Uh, God is hopeful all the time, and he wants you to feel hope all the time. And so he puts new challenges. And we might have a tendency to try to repeat other people's miracles or repeat our past miracles. Like, you know, I meet people all the time and they read the book of Joshua and Joshua walked around the building seven times. And so 
You know, they want a new job, they go to that job and they just walk around the building seven times and they rehash Joshua's true miracle and just do it by rote. You know, just, I'll, I'll just kind of do this thing and hope something is produced. And there's, there's nothing wrong with the sincerity or the admiration of the scripture and wanting to imitate it or pattern your life after something. But there's something to be said that Joshua actually knew the Lord and that he heard something fresh and he did it. You know, I, I always joke with musicians about singing a new song to the Lord. I, sometimes, you know, churches go, um, they go, let's sing a new song to the Lord. And then they play the first and the fourth chord, which kind of just sort of feels worshipy. And I'm going, well, that's not a new song. I've heard that song for the last 20 years. As a musician, I go, that's not a new song. <laughs> like, I want to hear, like, if you got a new song, then write a new song. Make it new. Make it really creative. Um, so I, I, I think that I don't, when I enter this new season, I don't want to rehash the old season. Do I hear amen? And I, and I don't want to recreate the past, and I don't want to just go to something comfortable and I don't want to avoid the past because if the Lord is doing something that looks like something previous, I don't want to just avoid it just for the sake of saying I want to be different. I'm just saying that if we embrace the new season, we want it to be from God, right? I think it's just so important. And this is why the relationship with God is so important because if you're not experiencing a relationship with God that you're interacting with him back and forth, and knowing his heart through the text, through the scripture, but also feeling and experiencing his presence. It's hard to navigate, and so you're stuck with just imitating something. Or you're stuck with just, well, you know, this is what I saw my mom do, or this is what I saw my cousin do, or this is what I see other Christians do. And, you know, I, I think in Pentecostal churches, what happens is people say, we need to get more of the spirit, so let's all do spirit kind of things. You know what I mean? Let's, you know, let's speak in the spirit. Let's, you know, sing in the spirit. Let's do the spiritual thing so we'll get it. And, and I think that when the Pentecost fell, when the spirit of God fell at Pentecost, they weren't expecting anything specific. They were just trying to seek the Lord and seeing what was next. And then God did what he did. And I want God to just do what he wants to do in my life. Don't you? And, and that's why we don't want to be imitators. I mean, think about the word imitate and create. Imagine if God's name was the great imitator. Wouldn't that be so pathetic? Like, who's your God? My God is the great imitator. Like, who does he imitate? No, he's the creator. He's, he creates if you look around at the molecular structure, if you look at animals, you look at insects, you look at the, just the software code of the DNA, of, of the, of the you know, DNA uh, sequencing, it's, it's unique code. It's, uh, and, I, and I was in software for a long time. I made games. And we'd have thousands, if not millions of lines of code that we'd look at and flag certain things of code that would do stupid things like open up a three-dimensional door on a screen and characters would walk in and we'd you know, build these animations of these characters moving around and we'd write software code and there may be like four programmers. But when you look at the DNA code, you're, you're looking at a sophistication that's amazing. 
And, and, and our scientists are kind of like, what is in this code? And look what we're discovered. They've discovered so little of it and understand so little of it. Imagine, and that's just in the physical realm. What has God coded in the spiritual realm? Aren't we capable of so much more? And, and I think of all the attributes that God describes of himself, love and joy and peace and goodness, powerful unity, and then all the, you know, the attributes that he says, I'm not like this, not, not afraid, uh, not discouraged, not factioned, not separated, right? Not uh, licentious, uh, not without control, All these things he describes that he goes, I'm not like these things. Not jealousy, not bitterness, not forgiveness. Those are not eternal, lasting things. And if you you separate those things and you start to look at the characteristics of who God is and the things that are not of God and begin to see that these things are not attainable by our flesh and our will. They are attainable by the grace and the mercy and the power and the redemption of God. That's where they come. Will will only bring you to these things. But the love of God, the grace of God, who then makes you act and will in his ways, it helps you to experience this goodness of God. And this goodness of God, in every new season, God is adding these things to us. And, and he's challenging us and he's bringing us to a new season and he brings an abiding trust. And there are plenty of times now where I think, gosh, I have changed so much. I cannot believe how much I've changed. Like there are things that used to just freak me out where I'd just be worried and pressured and all this. And you know what I mean? I, Jody would tell you, my, my parents lost a lot of money in taxes and they lost their house. And they, they went through all kinds of financial difficulties as a kid. And money was such an agony for our family. Just an agony all the time. And every time taxes would come out when Jody and I were first married, I'd go, oh man, I don't even want to look at them. There's probably some surprise in there. And, and every time money would come up, it would just kill me and agonize me. But you know, the Lord has freed me. How many say amen? The Lord has freed me. With less or more or less or more, God has given me a peace that he is providing for my life. How many need that peace? Come on. Do you need that peace? God just saying, I'm providing for your life. I'm providing for your future. And it's amazing because God says, make me first in your life and all these things. And here we are, I'm going I'm to talk to this about, we can't, we're going to be embracing new seasons, we're going to have to trust God, and we're going to, God is going to, to tell us we have enough faith, I'm just going to touch on one New Testament scripture to add to what I've said, and then I want to finish up with Isaiah 52, which is where I just got to last week, and what I think is a, a, a word that's been for our church for a little while, and here we go with it. Before I get to that, I'm sorry, this is the New Testament one. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Say that to the Lord, just say, Lord, increase my faith. One more time, say, Lord, please increase my faith. Now now listen, if you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, 
Remember, this is the one that he gives the analogy of what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like you plant something and whether it's you sleep or you go to bed, you know, you're awake or you're asleep, whether it's day, whether it's night, when you plant this seed, it's going to grow. Because God makes it grow. Do I hear amen? This is the same mustard said, even if your faith is that big, you can do killer stuff. That's the Eric Van Reed translation. Okay? You could say to this mulberry tree, and remember the mulberry tree from my perspective is the one that you keep going around because you're lost in life. Right? How many know that story, right? Round and round the mulberry bush. And I've done that in life where I'm going, hey, didn't I just go around this bush? That's I'm going around it again. He's saying, but if you want that mulberry tree to be tossed away, that it's going to be uprooted and thrown to the sea and it would obey you. God is saying, I'm tapping you into power. The ability to affect your world is massive. But then he's going to go on and he even says to them when they're on the boat and they're about to drown and Jesus is sleeping and they're fearful of everything. The, 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 the water's going to overtake us. The boat isn't strong enough. What kind of construction is this? And he's going to look at them. He's going, why did you doubt? Imagine the Son of God looking at you, knowing God's perfect plan, and saying, why would you fear? Why would you doubt me? Here I am right here. Why are you so afraid? And here we enter into a new season. God brings into a new season. And he wants to expand us. I'm not talking about church life. We are the church. Do I hear amen? Amen. We the people. We are the church. It's not the structure. It's not the building. It's not just the ministries. Those are things that help facilitate things and, you know, know, bring ease of use to, to teaching and meeting our culture. But the church is the people inside of it. God wants to expand us. He wants to spread us out. He wants to, you know, move out our borders. This is where we get to Isaiah. So embracing new seasons. Let's, I'm going to read through the scripture, and then I'm going to give just a little context at the beginning so you know where we're going in Isaiah. I'm sorry, 54 here. I said 52. I meant 54. And I want to tie this in, and why I tied it in last week, why it was so important, is Jesus is the author of the new covenant. We were under the Old Testament. That means that we were in a handshake relationship with the Lord. That was an agreement. If you do good, then then we'll be in relationship together because we both agree to do what's right. And how many know that man failed that experiment? Man failed it, every single one. There is no one good, there's no one righteous. Yeah, but I do all these deeds. Trust me, I'll find something else that you don't do. We can always find something. Because, and, and we can also check the motives of why or where you're doing it. But what happens is he's referring back to when he's making something new of a covenant. He gives this picture in the book of Galatians, but it really starts in Genesis 15. Galatians 4, for you Bible students who want to follow up on this, you can read Galatians 3 and 4, and it'll refer to this exactly. Abraham has two sons, two kids. First of all, before he has any of the kids, God gives him a promise of this destiny that's going to happen to him. And he says, through your seed, 
there's going to be blessings to all nations. And he looks at that seed, and Paul's going to clarify what that seed means in the New Testament. He's going to say, you guys, that word seed was never plural, it was singular. And he's going to go, really? And he says that seed is the seed that went from Abraham's loins through Sarah, through Rachel, all the way through to Mary, who is then Jesus Christ, producing Jesus Christ. But the seed we know ends up not being physical because we know that she is birthed by the Holy Spirit. Do I hear amen? It's a picture of what's to come. That's it is. It's a picture that represents that God's provision comes through this. And it comes through Mary. And that's Jesus Christ's birth. Now, before that happens, Jesus, I mean, Abraham doubts God. And it's hard for him to embrace this new season that's coming in. God's promising him. They're incredible things. And so he goes, okay, he waits, he waits. 10 years, 20 years, he keeps waiting. When's it going to happen? 30 years. And what happens, he reaches kind of an old age. He's not, you know, super old because they're in better shape in that day than we are. But, but here's the thing. He gets impatient and he ends up having sex with his, one of the maid servants. And his wife tells him, go ahead, because this promise is never going to come. And so he ends up with two children, one of the promise where God says, this is where it's going to happen. And he says, one, that's going to be not of that promise. And God still blesses Hagar and Ishmael, which is the one over there. He still blesses them. He gives them a blessing, and that's mostly of what the Middle East, of what we see today, there's the descendancy. And then you have Isaac on this side. And how many know that the Middle East, just like America, we've all fallen short of the glory of God together? Amen? We all need Jesus Christ. But this seed, he was saying here, so look at this scripture and watch what he says. He says, sing barren woman, that's Sarah, because she hasn't had the kid yet, but she's the one who's going to carry the promise. How many want the promise of God in your life? This promise is for you. The impatient Abraham decided he was going to go and we are just like him. We'll make our own provision. We'll do our own thing because we'll, you know, whatever, I got to do it. I got to figure it emotionally. I can't handle this. I'm going to do my own thing. And we do our own thing for whatever reason. And we can justify it. But in the end, it won't be of the promise that God is telling you about your life. Thank God he's a God of redeeming. And he is the redemption, which is how the scripture has. But he says, you, woman, Sarah, you need to sing but I'm barren. But there's no promise yet. But there is. Because I say that this is where promise is. And that's what Christianity is. God says, I put my promise in you. I put my promise in you and I'm going to birth hope and purpose. I'm going to incarnate my son in your life. I'm going to bring you to complete destiny. I'm going to fulfill what I've made you for. Not only in this life, but also in the age to come. And there's a destiny there. And he's saying, you woman who can't see it now, sing, barren woman. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing a new song. 
sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy. You who haven't been in a labor yet, there's no sign. There's no impregnation. There's nothing to do. Hagar's got the kid. And it's already birthed, and physically, you see it happening. You're going, oh, man, look at that. How come I don't have anything? And she became bitter, and I don't want her around. I don't want to see that promise of God, which isn't the promise of God, here. And Hagar is a victim, and it hurts everybody around you. And trust me, I know this from my own life. You start to do things on your own. You do your own way. You do it your own thing, no matter how sincere that you feel that you are. And it's not the song. It doesn't produce the song. Because when God says sing, because I'm going to promise, you want to sing. If someone goes, come to church and just start singing, you won't sing. Because you're just in the flesh. You're, just, you're singing. You're doing your own promise. You're doing your own life. You haven't experienced the promise of God. But it's found in Jesus. Shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. And he's talking about eternally, eternity. There's more. There's more fruitfulness. There's more. De- but it's funny. You walk around the earth right now and you don't, you don't go, hey, where are the Philistines? Where are the Philistines? Oh, yeah, it's, they're dead. Where are the Israelites? Oh, they're in Israel. Isn't that remarkable? But you want to know where the true seed of Israel is? Can you just raise your hand and say, it's in me? Come on, raise your hand and say, it's in me. Do you know that this promise from all the way back then has worked its way from the scriptures into your soul? And these Old Testament scriptures like Isaiah are prophesying about our time. It's so sad to me, I can't even watch it half the time, where I'll I'll put on some kind of doomsdayer on television. And they'll they'll just give you all the scientific facts. The scripture and current events are meant to be interacted. Really? When does God ever subjected himself to what's going on on the BBC? No offense. But the BBC is subject to God's word, whether it knows it or not. God has hopefulness. God has a future for us. God has an impact for us. God wants to save the world through us, through the gospel. We are not called to shrink back. We are not called to retreat. We are not called to give up. We are not called to to diminish except for diminish in our flesh and let the Lord increase in our life. That is the only thing. I'm going to read through this and then I'm going to break it down. How many are getting something out of this? Are you getting something out of this? I, I hope so. I'm just going to read through the scripture and then I'm going to get back to it. Listen to what he says. Because this is the promise for us. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. They will? Yes, they will. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Because guess what? For your maker is your husband. I try to be a pretty good husband, actually. But you know what? God is a way better husband than I am. How many are glad that the Lord is your husband? Right? The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. What about the moon? It's not talking about the globe. He's talking about matter. God is the God of matter and essence. Amen? That's, amen, thank you. Who's that? Thank you. <laughs> is, am I the only one excited about this? I think this is so killer. Let's say I'm the worst preacher in the world. I just read something awesome. <laughs> amen? I, I mean, I, I'm serious. I could just be terrible, but it doesn't matter because this scripture preaches by itself. If I just do a decent job, I'll look like a genius at the end. You know, seriously. Okay, new means more, new means sing. Listen to this. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy. You were never in labor. You got nothing. You bring nothing to the table. The only thing you have is the promise of God. That's what they have. That's what he's describing. And that's why I'm constantly trying to convince people that you don't have anything. But most people, because as my pastor always told us, he said, when you let go of everything... You can ask God for anything, right? And, and what happens is, you know, you think you have stuff, so you're going like, do you have, I'm, I'm totally provided for, don't worry about it, I, I've got that. What about this? Oh, I've got that too. You know where your ministry is? Oh, I know my ministry and I know where I am. I don't know what my ministry is. I don't know where the provision comes from. I don't, and I have some money here and I have some things here. And I have some gifts I've exercised, but there's a newness to letting things go and being open to the Lord, Barren woman. He says, because more, more, new means more, more are the children of the desolate woman. There's more fruitfulness from those who do not have anything yet. Remember, the other one's already got the baby. It's already got the thing. You know, she's got the legacy. She's got a little harem going, and they're going to populate a bunch of things, and he's going, it's more here. Why? Because you like them more? You like them more? No. No, because this one contains a promise that comes out of the mouth of God. And God is demonstrating that he is God. He's revealing himself. You may think, well, what does that matter? Trust me. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about the God who created everything. Well, what's it all about? Well, who's the only one who's going to know? Is the one who made it. Amen? Do you think that the Republicans or the Democrats are going to tell you what life's all about? Seriously. I mean, oh, but maybe there's a new independent party that's going to tell you this is what life's all about. No, they don't care. I don't care who the candidate is. God is the one who knows. He is the one who knows. There's going to be gurus that come on the scene and all kinds of people, false Christ and people that are going to be super looking important and people are going to flock to them. But in the end, God knows. And his word is revealed to us. New means more. Number two, new means bigger. Listen, enlarge the place of your tent. Wherever you've lived, 
Whatever your life is, whatever you've seen your life is, like this is my tent, and I bring this tent wherever I am. Enlarge it. Enlarge your heart. Enlarge the vision that you have. Enlarge the relationship pool that you have. Enlarge the workspace with which in you work within. Enlarge the passion that you might have. Make it bigger. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I get it. I'm, it's my personality. Three. New means wider. Wider. Stretch the curtains wide. Stretch the curtains. I mean, think about the tent. Think about, you know, it's not only the curtain. He's not talking about the veil and somehow making it bigger or different. He's saying stretch the curtains. Make them wider. Make the, the tent. You're enlarging the area the place or area that you're going to be, then start to stretch the tent curtains that you have to match the space that God wants to inhabit. Take the place where your fear starts and stops, your fear point, and move it out. Uh, right when I hit here, I start to get afraid. Don't. Not anymore. Can everyone say no? Yeah. No. I'm going to move the fear point out, Okay. You're going to take the place that you've always, man, I've always believed it to this point, but then I don't believe. You're going to move the faith spot or point out as well. Here's one I felt like the Lord gave me. As I was preparing this, I felt like the Lord said, increase the, listen, please hear me, because if the Lord doesn't waste my time to give me, get something to give you, atten- to give me attention to something for no reason. I felt like the Lord said to me, tell them, to increase the belief in their teammates, the people that are around you, the people that support you, the people, it could be a family member or those that you counted, would you increase what you expect from them? Not like I need more from you. Expect that God is doing things in them. You go, oh, I don't know. My wife has always been struggling with this. My husband, you know, my kids. I want you to encourage you to expect more. Stretch your curtains wide. Make things wider. Number four, new means movement. You've got to be moving. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Do, Do not, there's no reason to doubt. There is reason, but there's not a good reason. And I, I can tell you all the reasons I have to doubt. I go, Lord, I've been down this road. I'm not sure. And the Lord's saying, don't doubt. Just trust me as you're moving. Keep moving. The Old Testament and the New Testament make a big deal about looking back. You know, it, it's kind of like you, you can look back and see your limitations because of you go, man, I've, you know, I, don't, I don't know if I'm good enough. Well, I'll just make it easier for you. You aren't. The promise came to Abraham not because he was so good, but by his belief. Because he believed God. Don't look back. Don't quit. Don't stop. Amen? How many need to hear this? Raise your hand, several of you. Good. New means bigger. It means wider. It means more. It, It means moving forward. It means taking that step. For some of you, God has challenged you maybe with your tech, with your skills, your abilities. And God is saying, you need to increase those because you need more of this. 
And, and it's just some kind of gifting. Maybe it's in your job. There's some kind of skill that you need. Maybe um, in your ministry, you need to be a better communicator or you need to be a better team builder. Whatever it is, the Lord. In your family, it's always worked how you've been a mom, but now God's saying that's not good enough. I want you to raise the bar. I want you to be more disciplined or I want you to ease up or I want you to build better relationships or I want you to have better trust or I want you to stop instilling fear into your kids. Whatever it is the Lord is stretching you here or a place where you've been kind of holding back, this is my comfort zone, new means movement. You cannot stay the same. The new season brings change. It brings change. Again, this scripture here ties to it. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. You're not going to be embarrassed by it. You don't need to fear disgrace because you're trying to follow after the Lord. He'll cover you. You won't be humiliated. And these are things we can easily fear. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. When I first started church planting and pastoring, my biggest fear is that I would look like a complete idiot. And it all came true. <laughs> but I don't care anymore. It's, it's, and I don't mean it like, I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm talking about it's not a lackadaisical or irresponsible, I don't care. It's just that I know that that doesn't matter. My humiliation can benefit other people. Amen? How many have been humiliated or done something stupid and it helped somebody else? Okay, yeah, I see all you stupid, I mean, great people out there. I'm very touched that you joined me in this. Listen, he says, you're going to remember no more. You're going to forget no more. This is where he says, behold, I do a new things. Forget the former things. This is what I preached two weeks ago. Forget the former things. You got to move on. It's a new season. So, some of you are, have, have been walking with the Lord for a ton of time, and you have a lot to share. God's going to give you opportunities for that. He's going to give you time that you can share it with your heart. And, and there's a time here where we're going to speak to our past limitations and just walk up to the same and say, no, not, a, not as a matter of walking in the flesh, but as a matter of saying God's bringing us to a new season. Number five, new means adjustments. You got to make some adjustments. He says, lengthen your cords. You can't move, the t- you can't enlarge your place, increase your workspace and increase your influence. And then finally have the tents and where you live and where you roam and where God's given you authority be expanded. And then expect your tent cords are just to kind of float around. You have to, you have to, you have to lengthen them. Either get a longer cord and rewire that thing so that it, it can be you know, spread out so it fits where you are, but you need to have the same kind of framework that you're comfortable with in a larger scope. You, you need to, uh, the way that we adjust is you need to apply the lessons that you've been learning. You went through a trial, and you went through another trial, and you went through a season of heartache, and God's saying, oh, good. Not, not good that he's glad about the trial, but he's saying, now take that and apply it. Apply it to the future. Boy, I blew it here. I blew it here. Lord, thank you. I now have a new framework. You know, have you ever had, you know, when you were younger, you went through a hard time and you did stupid things and you look back and you go, gosh, I don't know why I did that. Or you ever gone through a season where you blamed everyone else? It's them and it's them and it's them. And finally the Lord goes, okay, you done with that? And you go, yeah. And I go, whose fault is it? And you go, it's mine. And the Lord goes, welcome to manhood right? It's my fault. 
Because guess what? When it's your fault, then everything becomes about you and your relationship with the Lord. And he can do something. But as long as it's everyone else, and every people, other people do dumb things too, but as long as it's about that, then it's always a hindrance and you can't grow, you can't move because you have to wait till they move. And we can't have that be a hindrance. Amen? Right? And you have to start investing. Adjustments means the, the way you've been investing needs to change. It needs to become more eternal when you put the dollars down. In the, in the things, even in your household, the things that you spend, is this an eternal thing? That, you know, I got a paycheck for some work that I had done musically, and I was going, what do I do with this? And Jody and I talked, and we're going, man, let's, maybe we, I, I'm thinking to myself, maybe I can do this or that. And the Lord's got saying to me, and you are going to pray about this, right? I said, Lord, why do you have to ruin things when I get money? It's so fun to be stupid with it for about five minutes. And then the Lord just going, what kind of person are you going to be when you have money? What do you talk about? How will you be? What you do with your first dollar is what you'll do with your thousandth dollar. What you do with your millionth dollar. Amen? It's what you do with that little thing. And listen, adjustments means you need to experiment a little bit I really, I really feel like there are some here that need to be able to take a few risks. And, and you got to try a few new things. Try a new ministry. Don't be afraid to change your calling if it's the Lord of where you're going. Or you might be midstream somewhere. You maybe do new things in your comfort realm. I can do new things here because I always try new things here. But the Lord might say, I want you to try new things here. Some of you go, oh, I don't know what ministry I'm doing. I've never worked with the homeless before. Maybe you should try it. Maybe you should take a risk and see what happens when you're just serving somebody, what it feels like. Some of you <laughs> might be, oh, I've got to go on a mission, got to go somewhere else where I don't benefit, you know? Or you, you might, God saying, you know, you've you got you to serve kids. I, funny, you guys talk to kids' ministry all the time. Kids, I love kids' ministry. It's my biggest regret about being a senior pastor is that I couldn't be full-time children's ministry. You know? You talk to the ones that actually serve with the kids, they always say the same thing. They go, man, I thought it was going to be a pain, but it's not. It's awesome. Because it changes you. It's, it's like the cleaning ministry. You come in here, you vacuum by yourself. You don't have a bunch of people going, yay! Yeah! It's just... But there's a sense that you feel, wow, Lord, it's me and you. Why am I doing this? There's something about that when you're vacuuming. And that's why you buy a new vacuum, because they're better. <sighs> Number six, new means stronger. Stronger. Strengthen your stakes. When you get to a new position, God wants to anchor it so you can stay there. You start, because I've done this. I've enlarged my tents. I've strengthened my borders, kind of bent over there, but then I kind of kept loose without strength, putting the stakes in there because I thought, Lord, I'm not sure if you're keeping me here or not, and I'm still doubting. And this time the Lord's saying, no, you step out. But I'm not sure if I can do it. I'm not sure if I'll sustain it. I don't know how I'll feel in a month. Eh, that's okay. But by then, your stakes are already deeply rooted. Take the hammer out smack it down 
Dig it deeper than you've done it so it can withstand more bad weather. It's so important. Fortify your position. Don't, don't go out there and go, I'm not really sure who I am. Know who you are. I was just talking to a fellow leader just yesterday and I was telling him, I said, you need to fortify what you believe about God and what you believe about church, what you believe about vision, what you believe about hope. You need to fortify what you believe so that you know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. I am more a convinced leader than I was five years ago, 10 years ago. Much more strong because of the Lord. No credit to myself. Fortify your position with your allies. Speak truthfully. It's very refreshing to be around people who you know you're not going to get any baloney. Amen? You know, you know, you know people that, that come up to you, hey, how's it going, yeah, pastor? You know, let me pretend I am somebody. Just be yourself. I'm sorry I'm crying. Cry as much as you want. You can cry, you can snort, you can snot, you can sneeze, you can fart, you can do whatever you want. Be yourself. Amen? Because whoever you are is who God saved. And whoever you are is what God filled with his spirit. And whoever you are that is filled with the spirit, God will lead you to the purpose and the plan and the new season that he brings each time. And he says, watch what I will do because this is an anchor to you. It's anchored to my promises that they are yes and that they are amen. This is the last point and then a close. Can I hear amen? amen? New means legacy. Means legacy. Number seven. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. I can't tell you how powerful it is and how deep I feel this. I, I almost always want to talk to the body of Christ at large. I wish I had more influence. Um, but I trust God's timing. He says, your descendants will. Can you just say will? will? They will. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And I, I just want to draw a contrast before I talk about this more. But I want you to see that these promises are not just for you. And you might be going through a season where you go, I'm not sure how my kid's doing. And, and people talk, oh, my kid's really struggling with this. I know. I'm not going by what I see. I'm going what God says. I look as a contrast to how the world is. I look, I look at the flesh world because God is doing this spiritually and physically. But in the world of flesh, I see things like ISIS where you know, there's a group of people that are coming against our nation. And they're coming against maybe the, our Western culture. And for whatever, whatever reasons in their own mind, I'm sure they have reasons rationalized of why it's good. And, you know, every country has its rationalization um, of why it does what it does. But I look at them and I look at the self-bombing and, you know, sending kids in when and blowing up kids and sacrificing other, other you, know, um, you know, family members for the sake of this cause. And, and I think that they believe their message pretty sincerely. 
however misguided it is. And, and they think they're going to dis, dispossess nations. And, and, and I think sometimes I, then I look back at our country and, and I look back at even the Christian nation because the Christian, the Christ, we're, we're aliens and foreigners in this land. We are part of the kingdom of God. Are we really going to look at this scripture and yet live like we're fearful, under-overcomers, underachievers in a world that's getting so overwhelmed that's going to crush us? Or are we going to rise up and actually enter into our legacy? Are we going to rise up? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because uh, I remember Joshua entering into the land and they took the land. And I'm not talking about beating up some country like going to Egypt or going into Iran and beating up the country. I'm talking about driving the demons off the cliff into the pigs. Amen? How many like that story? Turn them into bacon and run them off the bridge. Turn them into a Grand Slam breakfast. Amen? I know, analogies have to be, end up with food. Your descendants will dispossess nations. If you're my kid and you're here and you hear me, let me tell you, you will dispossess nations. You will increase. You will settle in their desolate cities. Oh, it's so hard to own a house today. You will own houses and you will own land. And you will, but I never got an inheritance and you will pass on an inheritance. Yeah, but I'm so confused in this culture. And you will overcome the culture by the power of God and won't be your flesh. And he will come and deliver you. And he will show you that it's real. Yeah, but I'm in all kinds of confusing situations. I don't even know where my kids are. That's okay. God knows where they are. Claim the promise. You may be barren, desolate woman. Sing. Shout for joy. Burst into song and believe your God. Because he wants you to have new confidence. Your maker is your husband. There are lost kids right now that you see in your legacy. Stand. Stand and say, I believe my God. And I tell you, look at me. I come from depravity and death and sickness and addiction and every sick thing that you can think of. I can't even think about my past without being disgusted by its consuming evil and yet I stand here preaching Jesus the Christ amen because God is the redeemer and he has surrounded me with friends me and Ira joke around but he's a friend I have friends I have allies I have a God who's got vision for me. So do you. Look around. Walk into the new season. Have confidence. Don't let it wane till after lunch. Sustain it. Keep it. Rise up. Rise up, O church of God. Be influencers. I hate the pastor-centered church of today. Everybody running on the pastor. Turn to God. And you become who you're supposed to be. 
don't let me be the oak tree that somehow gives you shade. You become the oak tree. You be the shade for this world and bring the life, the love, and the power of God. And it happens in little things. A little bit of faith moves mountains. Oh, I'm going to join an adventure team. Yes, greet our community. I'm going to just work with kids. Yes, it matters. I'm going to help my neighbor. Yes, I'm going to feed the homeless. Or I'm going to give somebody help in some small ways. I love those who step out and lead these things because they can. And they risk it. And they don't need us oh, patting their back and pushing it because there's a motivation that comes from another power. And that's where it comes from. I'm not angry. If you don't know me, I don't get angry very often. I used to be angry all the time. I don't know what God did with it. He took my anger at somewhere. It's on some planet. He took my anger and he put it over there. And now look. God is good. You know, when I first started preaching, I had the sermon for the 10,000 people, but only four people came. I gave them the same message that I had then that I'll give if there are 10 million people listening to me. I hope you're the same. I see around me like a field of dreams where there's so much that God wants to do and so many promises that are just resting over your head. And God is saying, you don't need to doubt. I'm with you. I'm your husband. I won't leave you. I'll be with you every step of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant is gone. There's a new covenant in my name. It's by my blood. It's by the bread, my body, broken. I'll never leave you. I'll always be with you. Always. Father, I thank you. Lord, I will not scream, but I can. Lord, because Lord I sense your presence so good thank you Lord thank you for your goodness Lord thank you for your mercies Lord to all of us but some may need it more than others today God is saying my mercies are new this morning they're new my love is new this morning My power, it's new. There's more. My forgiveness has washed away your sin. You're new. You're clean. The season is new. However you blew it, it's gone. Something new. Maybe you've experienced death recently. Struggle, pain, loss. The Lord's saying, would you trust me with eternity? With your loved one? Would you trust me with them? I am the steward of eternity. I will take care of them. And then, Lord, I say, I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. If that's you, would you just stand and join me? Raise up holy hands to God. Just stand up with me. If that's you, if you just say, Lord, I need your hope. I need your trust. I need this new season. I want to walk in it, but I don't want to walk in it in my usual way. I don't want to walk it imitating something else. I want to walk into it with the newness of your power, with the revelation of your glory.
Lord, and with the power of the Holy Spirit and the humility to know that if I fail, you will pick me up. You will lift me up. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for your power. Commit it to you. In Jesus' mighty name, do I hear amen? Amen. Amen. God bless.